I want to thank you again for joining us on this week's podcast of Live Transformed. Whatever you happen to be doing right now while you're uh-huh. listening to this podcast, the cool thing is that God is, can reach your heart and he wants to definitely love you today. Yeah. And as well, I really want to encourage you to please share the podcast with someone. I know uh, we hear the stories, the emails, the encouragement that comes from you, our listener, that you, you look forward to this every single week. Well, I'm sure there's somebody in your life that you'd like to encourage them, you know, with the message as well. So please do do that today. You know, share this with others and let them know. We're talking again. We're continuing our series with Dr. Jim Richards is yes. in the Woo-hoo! house. Here he is again. We're talking about experiencing God's reality through his names. And last week we talked about, we ended up really talking about Jehovah Jireh and God's goodness and how he goes before well, it, us. It was about 50-50. It was, <laughs> it, it, we used the examples of Jehovah Jireh, yeah. but... But we use it in the context of being intimate, experiencing yes, that in your heart. That's ex- yeah. You know what? Thank you. Yeah. That was a very good way of putting it. I really enjoyed last week. And um, I thought today about one of my favorite uh, decrees that I love to read based on Psalm 3, the Hebrew from Psalm 3. And it talks about Jehovah Kavad. And so I was just going to throw this out there to you guys and see where the conversation goes. But it starts by saying, I am protected. I am surrounded, and Jehovah holds my shield, and Jehovah is my shield. And my head is lifted above all my troubles, and I look down upon the activities of my day, and I see that they are ordered, and then peace fills my soul. And I don't have to worry about defending my own name, because my reputation and dignity are kept safely in Jehovah Kavad, who is the God of all glory. My glory and honor belong entirely to him. And that really, when I started thinking about that, my glory and my honor belong entirely to him, that I can trust him, that I don't have to worry about defending my name because my, I am safe in Jehovah Kavad. So I was just going to throw that out there and talk about how God really is our safety and our protection and he is our glory. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think, I think one of the starting places, again, you know, always starting with the revealed knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. You know what? What the when the Bible talks about the glory of God, we've got to we, we got to ask the question: what, what does that mean to me? Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, so, how is this so personal? What? Yeah. How, how is this personal? How does this how does this affect me? So, you know, we know that in general, and uh, and I regret that I didn't get to do just tear this thing apart in the Hebrew language. I just uh, just didn't work out that I was able to in advance. But we know that in general, the most basic concept of the glory of God uh, in general is just God's greatness, God's splendor, God's majesty, you know, God's power, God's brightness, you know, all of these incredible, incredible attributes of God. And again, I don't know (laughs) how it breaks down with the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and what that comes to mean about the glory of God. But when I think about the glory of God, I always think about the, the Greek counterpart to the Hebrew word. You know, in the Greek, it also has that concept of greatness, splendor, brightness, majesty, wonder, all that. But kind of tucked away in this incredibly expansive definition of the glory of God is, is view, reality, and opinion. And so... When I, when, when I look at the glory of God, you know, first of all, when you go through, and what I used to do as a new believer, you know, I just had a Naves topical Bible. I didn't have a computer. There weren't computers back then <laughs> or not personal computers. <laughs> but I would just look up the, like, I would just look up the word glory. Uh-huh. And, and everywhere that I read about the glory of God, I would see what happened when the glory of God manifested. What, you know, in other words, what, what was the result? And, you know, many times the glory of God would manifest and, and, and overcome an enemy uh, you know, that was trying to kill right, somebody. Right. The glory of God would manifest and, and, and God would minister to somebody or a word of prophecy would come forth. So, so you know, anybody who wants to do a study on this and get the revealed knowledge of God, just get on your computer, man. There's free Bible, there's free Bible concordances you can use online mm-hmm. and just look up the glory of God. And see all of these things that it tells you about about the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Now, then you know from there, we're going to start. That, that's where we're renewing our minds. That's that's where we're saying, okay, I'm thinking. I'm going to start thinking about this different. And you know, golly, last week, 
you know, something that just sprung into my mind when we were doing last week's program, and we just did not have enough time. It wouldn't even have fit to gone in there. But, you know, today there is so much resistance to the word repentance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in many circles, people are teaching that Christians don't repent and that and that God doesn't convict a Christian and all this. And, uh, you know, th- these are what I call one-dimensional concepts. It's like we, ha- we have taken something that's relational, and, you know, nothing in a relationship is one-dimensional. There's how I feel, there's how you feel, there's how it affects me, there's what you're saying, there's what I'm understanding, what do you mean? I mean, you know, relationships are, man, they're multi-multi-faceted. And so, so, you know, one-dimensional thinking is where people come up with a rigid definition of something, usually uh, not anything experiential, doesn't have anything to do with real life, it's just a rigid definition Mm -hmm. of it. And... And then they try to make every way that they're going to relate to that word fit into this one-dimensional, rigid, static definition. Yes. And so, you know, unfortunately, in the past, religion made religion, I mean, religion made repentance, you know, seem like something, they, they made it more penance than repentance. Right. And so, that, so you know, they made it about being sorrowful and weepy and you may be you know if, I, I don't know about you but i've done things where afterwards i'm like I, yeah i'm weeping yes, yes i'm crying yes, yes i hate what yes i, I just hurt yes. somebody yes yeah. that i love and so and so that's normal if you if you have those kinds of feelings mm-hmm. but you know repentance is one of those concepts that is woven into hundreds of of words and phrases where the word repentance isn't used, but the concept of change in your mind mm-hmm. is is being used. Now, another, and, and this is this is all got to do with getting to the glory. Yeah, I, yeah. I know you're probably th- I know you're probably thinking, mm-hmm. don't smoke crack before we do a podcast <laughs> because I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I promise I'll I promise I'll get to it here. <laughs> another one dimensional concept that just drives me crazy. Is the, is the concept of mercy. Now, see, we think about the one-dimensional concept of mercy would be something like, okay, I'm just getting better than I deserve, mm-hmm. or God is just overlooking my sin, mm-hmm. or you know, something along those lines. Well, it's not that that's not true, but that's a one-dimensional static not, you know what I mean by yes. static? It, it, it doesn't It doesn't change. have any depth. It's just, cha- it's there's, just one yeah, answer. There's no depth. Mm-hmm. There's no flexibility. There is nothing relational. What, is that, what does that mean relationally? What does that look like relationally? I've just got a definition, not an understanding. Well, you know, when you, we, we talked last week about the word goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember, have we ever talked about, I think we've talked about Psalm 23, verse 6, about, mm-hmm. you know, about goodness and mercy chasing yes, you. Yes, yes. Well, you know, in, in, in that, you have, the, you have goodness, this harmonizing with God. You know, God is, is not just following you. Goodness and mercy isn't just following you. It's chasing you. Wow. And God is chasing you because in His mercy— he can bring you back into harmony mm-hmm. because yes, there is the shallow. I mean, it's not shallow totally. It's shallow when you limit it to just one concept, mm-hmm. but there's that concept of, okay, yes, God's not judging me or punishing me or God's giving me better than I deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. We get that. But you know, remember when we broke down that word mercy, that is a picture of a person being drawn into the shelter of God's heart. Wow. And that changes everything. All of a sudden there's intimacy, there's comfort, there's so much feeling of that I belong, that I'm not rejected. I mean, we could go so many different directions of what, when his mercy is new every morning, that means I get to literally hide under his shadow and he's, his friendship is going to actually vindicate me. Like I I think of the fact that his friendship vindicates me, like his presence Mm -hmm. is my calm retreat, his yeah. His his eternal plan is protecting me. Like all of those things that are so huge when you describe yeah. mercy in that way. As you said, it's much more than just, yeah, I didn't deserve this. It was more like, no, I get to live here in his mercy. Yeah. 
And see, see, you know, it's these one-dimensional concepts that that really get people off the rails into crazy doctrine. You know, like, okay, if all mercy is, then I got by with it, or, or you know, I get better than I deserve. Then you say, okay, my doctrine of mercy is God's just going to always give me better than I deserve. Right. So it's not, it's not relational. Mm-hmm. And anything, any concepts that we develop, any doctrines that we develop that are not relational will always end up skewed. Mm-hmm. So so in mercy, it, it's, it's not one-dimensional. It's not only the fact that, that, okay, I'm not getting the punishment that I deserve. I'm not getting that. I'm getting I'm treated better than I deserve. But there's a purpose behind that. And see, the purpose behind everything God does is to draw us back into relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, so the purpose, the reason God's chasing us mm-hmm. is because when he catches us if, if, and we come to our Thank senses, you. we can get drawn back into this place where we're under the shelter of his heart. And in that secret place with him, then we can experience goodness. We can start harmonizing with God. So instead of running, instead of letting our opinions take us down this wrong path, yes, like we talked about last week, instead of instead of letting selfishness and greed and self-centeredness take me down some path that God doesn't even, you know, it's like I'm gonna walk down the street and look for God. The only problem is God don't live on that street, right? You know, right. I'm just I'm just walking down this this different street. But the whole purpose is is repentance, because if I'm harmonizing with God that I'm always surrendering my view and my opinion to his view and opinion. And I'm always surrendering my perception of reality to his perception of reality. Oh, wait a minute. We've just stumbled onto connecting to the glory of God. Wow. Because the static definition is the, the majesty, the greatness, mm-hmm. the splendor, mm-hmm. da 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 da. Mm-hmm. But the relational concept is God's got this God's got this realm mm-hmm. that He abides in. I think the new I think one of the New Testament concepts that would even be the, just the kingdom of God. You know, they're 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 overlapping words. You know, in, in all throughout the Bible. <coughs> so God's got this realm, and in this realm. Because this realm exists based on his truth, based on how what his view of it is, based on what his opinion is, and it is the reality. That's the difference between his opinion and my opinion. Mm-hmm. His opinion is always the ultimate reality, and when all other things fall apart, his reality will still stand. Well, see, if I let God draw me back by his goodness, because the goodness of God draws me to repentance, if I let the fact that I, I'm getting better than I deserve draw me back to that place, where, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I want to reconnect, I want to, I want to, oh, I want to come back to that secret place, I want to be hearing your voice again, I, I want you in my every thought, I want you in my every emotion, yes. you know, then, then mm-hmm. in that place, I start coming into one term would be repentance. Mm-hmm. Another term would be harmonizing. Mm-hmm. Another term would be dying to self. I mean, you know, however mm-hmm. you say mm-hmm. it, I'm giving up every bit of my opinions for God's. Why? Because my opinions can only produce my version of reality in my life. Yes. That's but very well when, said. When I take on his opinions, then I get to enter into an experience his reality. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what God wants for us. Yeah. Jim, that is so good, so beautiful. People rewind and hear that all over again. Um in in looking at, at all of this in, you know, cuz in experiencing him, you know, you talked about kind of a a, a a static definition of repentance, of mercy, of goodness and and even glory. But it comes back to, and I think that's a big part of, you know, the series of, of episodes and programs that we're producing here, you know, with regards to the name of God, the names of God, and that is, I think we've also created a very static view and opinion mm-hmm. of who God is. Yeah. And so right away, we relate to him, you know, in only this way that we've, ex- you know, uh, have been introduced. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we've been introduced, mm-hmm. you know, to him in this way. 
And, uh, you know, before the episode began today, we're just chatting just a little bit about about idolatry. Mm -hmm. And so if if I'm not experiencing his goodness, if I'm not really um, walking the path, as we, you know, spoke about in uh, last week's episode, you know, I can very easily be lured into idolatry where I begin to find or look for, you know... um, uh, an experience. I'm looking for um, an expression of God that's apart from Him, mm-hmm. rather than being found in Him. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we're talking uh, in 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 coming into today's episode, Matthew six twenty four, and uh, we're talking about uh, you cannot serve God and Mammon. And Jim, mm-hmm. you were you were speaking, and I think this is you know where the idolatry comes in. We 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 want to experience and serve God, but yet there we are so many pull. things that yeah. I can yep. do, yeah, that I'm capable mm-hmm. of. And even in um, last week's episode, we talked about the willful confusion, you know, that selfish mm-hmm. ambition, you know, that that we have, yeah, and we're yep. missing the ex- experiencing of who He really is, yeah. You know, if you if you were to walk into the average counseling session, and you know you you were to sit there and you would listen to somebody, and and they're in this they're they're in this 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 selfish ambition. You know, they they've decided what they want. They decided how they're going to get it, and da 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 da. Well, you know, you know, the real truth is all of those things they're deciding, and all those things they're pursuing, they're pursuing them for how they'll make them feel. Yes. You know, at the end of the day. You know, like, like, you know, the old saying says, you know, nobody wants a bunch of green paper with pictures of dead presidents on it. You know, that, that's not what brings you the happiness is, you know, what brings what you're what you're looking for is what the, the feeling the, that it gives what you, the, the how, you know, what they can bring you that will make you mm-hmm. feel a certain mm-hmm. way now. <clears throat> And really, it'll make you feel important or secure. Make, oh yeah, well, yeah, or influential. Well, everybody's looking for something yes, different. You yeah. know, the feeling you may want is that the money give feel makes you feel powerful. Yes, the feeling you may want is that money buys you drugs, and so you can get euphoria. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? It, it can just it can just go in a whole lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> in the Old Testament, one of the things one of the things that God constantly warned the nation of Israel about. And remember. We should read about the nation of Israel as if that's just one man, one person yes. walking with God, and that's our model, and we understand the traps that we can fall into. Yes. So one of the things that, that God warns them of quite often is don't lean on the arm of the flesh. Yes. You know, in the Psalms, he'll say, you know, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of our God. Oh. Now, <clears throat> the, 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 the reality of it right there is that is that wherever you put your trust to fulfill these basic core needs that we have, and you know, one of the basic needs we have is is fulfillment, is pleasure. Mm-hmm. You know, God created us to live in paradise. He didn't create us to live in this world like it is now. God created us to never experience the extreme heat of the day or the extreme cold of the night. God experienced it, or created us to never experience loneliness. Mm-hmm. All of these all of these emotional needs were met originally with man in connection with God and and what God had provided. So you know when man became his own God started choosing good and evil, you know that concept of good and evil is far more vast and expansive than we do it's chaos and peace and and you know uh, what brings pleasure what brings pain all that kind of stuff so so man is always trying to find some way to meet these core needs that were being met when we walked with god and when we owned nothing hmm. and we just we we had access to god's to everything that God had, God's realm. Mm-hmm. And that's what the kingdom of God is now. We have the opportunity to do that inwardly, even though we can't you know, do it outwardly. Yes. But when you put your trust, it doesn't matter if it's you hewn out some stone and made an image, or if you cut down a tree and carved it into an image, or if, you, or if, you, or if you're just trusting in your money, or if you're tr- uh, trusting in something, when you put your trust in something else to meet those basic needs— you're actually in idolatry hmm. because 
where you trust, where or what you trust is your redeemer. It's your deliverer. It's your salvation, even if you're not even looking at it on a spiritual sense. Now, you, you, you fast forward that and you realize that man becomes desperate to have these needs met. So man starts, because these desires are there, man starts looking for ways to fulfill these desires. Now, if he believes that God is who he says he is, if he believes the revealed knowledge of God, if he believes the names of God, then he knows that he can go get intimate with God and experience all of those names and aspects of God's character mm -hmm. in his heart and then ultimately experience it in his life. But if he doesn't know that, then he's like a starving person who says, you know, you know, the only way I can eat is to steal. The only way I can eat is to do is to compromise. The only, you know, but he's desperate. And so he begins to he begins to be driven by the need for self-fulfillment, which self-fulfillment is just a breath away from selfish ambition. Okay. And, self, and selfish ambition is just a breath away from greed, or what the Bible calls uh, in the English, avarice. Mm -hmm. Now, when you go to that scripture that Bob just read in the book of Matthew, where it talks about you can't serve God and mammon. And most most Bibles will translate that to God and money. And it talks about how if you, if you, if you do, you're going to end up loving one and hating the other or clinging to one and despising the other, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, we, so you know, we, we, we come up with this very incorrect definition and, and make it very, very one-dimensional. And from that, we just decide money's evil and da-da-da-da. Well... You know, paper is not evil. Right. You know, there's there's nothing evil about paper. Because mammon is not about the money itself. It's about the greed or the avarice or the selfishness or the selfish ambition that you are applying toward how, what you're going to do with that and how you're going to trust in that to meet a ne these needs in your life that really only God himself can meet. So... So I, I have a reality, and that reality says if I could have sex with that person's wife, if I could have that person's car, mm -hmm. uh, if I could have, if I could find a way on this next business deal to scam somebody out of a million dollars, so I, so I have this way that says there's something else that will meet these basic needs. There's something else that's going to make me happy. There's something else going to that's going to fulfill me. And so, I, you know, I, but I'm going to Christianize it and I'm going to pray and ask God to give it to me, I'm, you know, somehow or another. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, <laughs> Stop and, but, it. <laughs> uh, no, sure. I mean, listen, I, I, I did hundreds of counseling sessions where somebody would decide some sin they were going to get into yeah. and start praying for God to bless it, right. you know? <clears throat> well, so what happens is then this selfish ambition drives me, this greed, this hunger for satisfaction drives me then to fulfill, to try to meet that need by fulfilling the lust of my flesh. Now, is that, Jim, is that almost every person in the world? I mean... That's every, per that's every person in the world. Because what you're describing is every person in the world. Because yeah. um, because we we feel a need and we, we have learned behavior. We know ourselves. We know what works. This is all subliminal, subconscious. We figure out how to get what we want or what yeah. we need. And that's every person. So it becomes like yeah. a dichotomy. Well, then how do you trust in God when this is the only right. thing my human desire drives me to get yeah. to get this? You know, you know, I was in a I was in a uh, counseling appointment, uh, and I don't do much counseling, uh, but but it was a special situation. I was in a counseling appointment just just the other day, and uh, I was talking to this young man, and. Uh, he was able to admit, and I so respected him for this, but he was able to admit that he just really didn't trust God. Mm -hmm. And and that's really what everybody's struggling with. Everybody that's struggling, that's what they're struggling with really is, is do they do they actually trust God? <laughs> and you know, I, I brought him to this I brought him to the same conclusion. I, I I said, Okay, let me ask you this. What if somebody walked in this door right now and uh, I introduce you to him and 
and just through conversation, he realized that you had a need, and he said, you know what I'll do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write you a check and take care of that. And so, you know, he, he walks out the door and, you know, supposed to get back in touch with They said, now, there'd be some part of you that would hope he was going to do that, but would you really trust somebody that you just shook hands with and that's, just, that's all you know about him? He's like, well, I don't know. Probably not. Kind I was of hoping it would, seem, be true. it would be nice, but it seems kind of shifty. Well, or, exactly. or what's behind that, or where's the expectation behind it, and all that. And see, see, this goes back to something I say all the time. We have been taught that faith is trusting what God will do, independent of trusting who He is. And people will do that which is consistent with their nature. So if I know who God is, if I know his nature and character, now see, if he'd met that guy and known him for a few years and always seen what he would do and always he always kept it, then he knows him. Yes. And so now the promise is not based on the promise. The promise is based on the person. character of the person. Yes, the that, person that's that making the, the promise. promise. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so the problem is, most of us, and I talked to him, I said, you know, you have to come to know God. I said, faith comes when you, when you know God. That's that, because when you know him, you can trust him. He said, well, he said, I, I can't even, I don't even know how to know God. Hmm. And I said, well, I, and, I, and I told him, I, I gave him the same basic stuff, you know, that I, that I think everybody should know. And that is, you know, look, just, just sit down. Be honest with God and just say, God, you know, I really don't trust you, really don't know you, really don't know what you'll do, I, you know, but here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to read these Gospels, about, and I'm going to see the life of Jesus because that's the clearest place to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And whatever Jesus did, that's what you would do, and you are no different than Jesus. So I'm just going to, I'm going to read these Scriptures, and what I'm going to be looking for and what I'm going to be asking you to do is, is I want you to to help me get to know you mm -hmm. just do whatever you got to do in me mm -hmm. to get to know you mm -hmm. and uh and then bring me to the place where I, where i trust you because i don't trust you but i'm willing to trust you You know just be real with god start reading the bible and so he says he says well you know um uh i've read the bible a little bit he said but mainly i just go when i get in trouble i just go try to find some promise that says he'll get me out of trouble mm -hmm. And I said, well, that kind of goes back to that thing we talked about, the guy coming in and promising to do something for you. So I said, well, so how, do I, so how, how would I get to know somebody? I said, well, when you read these stories about Jesus healing everybody, when you read these Jesus, stories about Jesus forgiving everybody that wanted forgiveness, when you read these stories about how kind and how wonderful he is, I said, this would be sort of like if you went to another country and you met the most outstandingly beautiful, hot chick you mm -hmm. ever met in your life, mm -hmm. and man, immediately you're drawn to her. Mm -hmm. I said, now, if you see Jesus the way he's being presented in the Gospels, spiritually, that's what's happening. You're getting you're you're getting to see a picture of somebody that's wonderful and beautiful and kind, and and it's like looking at a beautiful woman and thinking, I I, I got to get to know her. And I said, so you go over and approach her and, and, you know, just, you recognize that she's warm towards you. You know, she's, she's wanting to be engaged. And I said, but the problem is she only speaks Chinese. Now, <laughs> both of y'all have this compelling interest for each other, but you speak English. She speaks Chinese. I said, now, here's what I bet you. I said, I bet you everything that I own and against everything that you own and ever will own that you'd learn how to speak Chinese. <laughs> yes, that's true. Now it may just start with learning one little word at a time, but what it is, is you want to hear her say that she's attracted to you. Right. You, you, you want to hear that in here. Right. You, you know, you want to hear, you want to say to her, what you feel about her. And so I just kind of went through this whole thing about what happens, you know, when you're attracted to somebody and you want that intimate connection. I said, now, if you read about Jesus and you see him as this wonderful, loving, kind, benevolent, 
person, then when you want to get to know him? He said, well, yeah. I said, all right. So you start from there. All right, I see this is who you are. Now, God, you got to teach me how to recognize your voice in my heart. Because I know it's not going to be a voice like words speaking. It's going to be a voice just like knowing something. You know, uh, when the Bible talks about God speaking to Moses face to face, really the literal concept behind that is that God kissed him on the lips. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind that is, you know, if two people that are deeply in love kiss each other, they don't, they don't have to explain why they're kissing each other. You know, I don't even know how many times during the day I'll just walk up to Brenda and I'll just pull it close to me and I'll kiss her. I don't explain why I'm kissing her. I don't have to say one word because in intimate connections, there is information passed that never even has words. Right. And I said, and that's going, that's what will happen between you and God. Yes. Now, here's the deal, though. I'm sitting here saying, I've never done this before. I, you know, I'm not even sure if this will work. But you know what? I know how I can make this work over here my way. Yes. So I'm going to go into selfish ambition, and I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to ignore who God is. Now, I'll check in with God later, hmm. and I'll ask him to bless me. But I'm going to pretty much ignore who God is. And I'm going to try to meet these needs that only God himself can meet in my heart over here some way that I've invented. And this is where I'm going to put my trust. So this is my God. Wow. This is what I trust. And you know, you know what it is? It's me. I trust my opinion, my view to produce the reality that I want more than I trust God's. Yeah. I'm Wow. I'm reminded and actually taking a, a look, you know, quickly here at at James chapter 4. And it's uh in verse 6, you know, the phrase that we're also very very familiar with where it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Mm -hmm. And and you know what Jim has just described is that that becomes an extremely prideful heart is that I know what's best for me, you know, yep. and I know how best to provide for me or how to, yes. be, you know, what he was saying here, I, I know how to care for my core needs. Yes. Yep. You know, I know how yep. to find fulfillment. You know, I know, you know, the best, the best path, you know, for my life. But looking here at, at uh, James 4, it, it begins to speak about, you know, so what causes the fights and the quarrels among you? You know, don't they come from, and it says, the desires for pleasure that war against our members. You know, yep. and, and, you know, that's what we were talking about. You know, he's created us with these pleasures, but then how will we find fulfillment? How will we satisfy those? And any time that we look to find that fulfillment apart from God, it's going to lead us into fighting. It's going to lead us into quarrels. Uh, we're going to ha have uh, broken relationships. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then it says in verse 4, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Yeah. Pretty strong. Very strong words. Yeah, seriously strong. Very strong. Now, and, and, you know, in today's emotional economy, nobody wants to deal with that kind of truth. They want to go back to, no, I'm in Jesus, so I'm guaranteed the outcome. Yes. No, you're in Jesus, you're guaranteed the opportunity to have the outcome through a relationship. Can you say that again? I am in Jesus. You're, I am. So you're guaranteed the opportunity to have a relationship through which, the, through which you experience the outcome. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because remember, life... Zoe, the quality of life that God gives, God's reality comes through knowing and experiencing God. Right. Not through doctrine, not through, you know, all of these other things. At the end of the day, it all comes back to a relationship. Mm -hmm. So the glory of God 
You know, God says, here's what I have. Yeah. Now, you know, the, the, my, my, I'm sorry, my mind is just, you know, jumping around. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you know I, I talked last week about the, the Hebrew. The, the, there's another Hebrew word that has an opening to it that you know that it's an opening that represents an opening to the presence of God. And you find this particular Hebrew, it's a letter, which remember, every letter is a word that has its own meaning. And you find this this very often with another letter that has to do with, with, with the heart of God. Now, the kingdom of God is a realm where God's reality exists. In other words, where all of the resources that God has, they exist in this realm. And, and based on what the, you know, what the Hebrew language says, which is God's language, that's that, that, you know, Greek was not the, is not the perfect language of God. Greek was the perfect language for reaching the world. And so, you know, Bible says that Jesus came in the fullness of time. I think part of that was that, that Greek was the trade language that everybody spoke just like today america uh, english is just is the trade language and so people who want to work all over the world pretty much have to speak english mm-hmm. so that's the way it was with greek so the new testament was you know was written in greek but hebrew was the language of god by the way you just i'll just throw this out to me it's kind of a, an interesting little concept that i that I, I i think the lord showed me is you know almost all of your languages are written from the left to the right well, the way you would move your eyes when you would read these languages from the left to the right would be you would first engage your left brain, which would come up with analytical and intellectual definitions. And then as you go to the right, you would engage your right brain, which is conceptual and experiential. But the problem is your intellectual side of your brain is imposing itself on the right side of your brain. Yes, and diluting it or changing it or somehow... Yeah, changing yes. it. Yeah, changing it to changing it to fit your intellectual yes. concepts. Hebrew is written from the right to the left. And so just reading that way would first engage the concepts and engage, you know, the relational aspects, the emotional yes. aspects. And then the understanding would come out of this interpretation that is, that is related yes. to not just what the word means, yes. but what the word means to you in your experience. So it's always relational. Yes. First. And it's, it almost sort of like the, the, the right, the other side, you learn the concept, but then your intellect comes in and says, now this is how we can apply it to our life. Like it comes yeah. almost gives you that, that goal yeah. or that understanding where yeah. you can say, okay, now this is my life. So this is how it'll work for my life. So everything, everything about the Hebrew language was, because God chose that language and dictated his word to Moses in that language says, okay, I can understand things about God. This language can understand any other way. So, so this doorway in this particular letter that I take, and it leads me then to the heart of God is very probably the doorway through our heart where it talks about the kingdom of God being within. Mm-hmm. And so through my heart, I, I can enter in through this doorway. And in this realm exists all of the reality of God. That, and, and I can experience all of the reality of God in this realm. And if I go into that realm, which is that hiding place, that secret place, you know, that 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 place of of being brought in under God's heart, you know, brought into God's heart and harmonizing with God's reality. That is the glory of God. And in that place, as in that intimacy, when God is whispering what this means to me in my life, that becomes my reality. And when I walk out of that place, now it doesn't matter what the circumstances outside try to claim as reality. I have a reality that supersedes any of that. And then I have the grace of God working in my heart to, to, to empower me to, to walk in that reality. So now I'm not desperate to get these emotional needs met because right. they're met. 
So now greed and avarice is not driving me to take some shortcut, driving me to, to walk a path other than righteousness. you got to remember yes. something. God only walks in a righteous path. And the Bible says that over and over again. He says, all my ways are straight. There's no crookedness in them. I don't, I, don't, I don't walk in the crooked path. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, righteousness is one of those words that's taken on a bad route, just like sin, in other words. Because all righteousness, is, oh, it's more than this. I don't want to, again, I don't want to get to a one-dimensional concept. Right. But the core of righteousness is as it should be. As it should be since I'm a child of God. As it should be since God has met all of my needs through Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so the path of, of righteousness is the path of life, and there is no death in that in that whatsoever. So I don't have to go down this path. And see, the self-deceit, when I go down this path, the self-deceit is I, I feign praying, you know. In other words, I'm praying, but it's all it's all it's all in vain and it's all it's all fake. Okay. It's like I'm walking down this path where I'm being dishonest or where I'm being selfish, mm-hmm. or where I'm going to take advantage of somebody, mm-hmm. or I'm going to get into some kind of sin. All this, I'm trying to meet this need. And the whole time I'm praying, you know? It's like, a, this sounds crass. I'm not trying to sound crass, but some people need to ask themselves this question. Like, I had a guy in my office. I've actually said this to a lot of people. And they say, you know, I didn't want to commit adultery. I really didn't want to. And I was praying for God to help me. I'm like, so let me explain this to you. If while you're unzipping your pants, you're asking God to help you, Mm -hmm. it's too late. Right. Ain't going to happen then. Mm -hmm. See, we feign praying. We feign asking for help. We've got to go through this so that we can convince ourselves that we're still trying to trust God. We're not trying to trust God. We're trusting ourselves. We are trusting mammon. We We are believing that we can purchase not just with money, but, you know, with our life, with our time, with our sources, with our lives, with what we're believing we can get what we want. And somehow or another, God's going to show up and bless us. And it's not going to hurt our relationship with him. And our heart's not going to get hard. And we're not going to end up, you know, golly, I always told my kids this. I'm not saying they learned it, but I always told my kids this. I always told my friends this. I always told my, my people in my church this. It's like, here's the problem with sin, because it affects your heart. See, the deceitfulness of sin is the hardness of heart, according to Hebrews chapter 3, I think it is, which means because I don't know how a particular sin is going to affect my heart, I don't know where this path is going to end. You know, when, when, when I was in Bible college, there was a group of us that worked for the same company. It was a good company and man, it really worked out well for us. They, they really tried to facilitate us, you know, being able to go to classes and <clears throat> work our schedules out. And so, because we were all such good workers, you know, we started getting the offers for the promotions. Mm. And, um, so, you know, when you're standing at the path, the crossroads, you got to think, see, it's not, is it sin or not? That's not, that's not even the big deal. The sin is, I mean, the question is, where do I land? If I take this path, what's the, what's the most likely outcome? But now if I take this path, well, God, I know what the outcome's going to be yeah. if, if I trust him. Well, as time went by, they started offering us promotions. And so I was the guy that turned down the promotion. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of my buddies that were going to Bible college took the promotion. Now, that meant taking the promotion meant more responsibility, which means now they're all scheduled for when they're going to graduate. Mm. And we all went down there because we felt a calling. We felt that we had to prepare for the ministry. So this isn't good and evil. Mm -mm. This isn't wickedness and and godliness. This is just standing there and getting in your heart. And see, greed would say, selfish ambition would say, hey, you make more money. Hey, you know, finishing college won't be so hard. Nothing wrong with that. No. You know, but this is the easy way. Yes. And, And, you know, and I can get God to bless this way. But you know what? So many of those guys that make, took those promotions, they never finished school. They never went into ministry because one decision led to another decision that led to another decision. And some of those guys backslid and ended up never living their destiny. Hmm. 
Now, I made as many mistakes as all of them, but I'm living my destiny. Yes. Because of the path. Go ahead. I, I interrupt. No, no, you. no. I was just going to say to you, so for that situation, because now I'm going to that other side of my brain, we're saying, what is my take home from today's podcast? Like, yep. would mm-hmm. it be valuable for that those other guys to know what their core needs were so that they would know, am I trusting God for those? Like, would it be valuable for me to acknowledge my core needs? And I, I'm, I'm guessing for those guys, it would be security, you know, financially. Sure. Or, or what it, the core need of security is a thing. You know what I'm saying? You know, I think I think that's one of those multidimensional answers. Mm-hmm. It, ba- it based, it, It's based on, the question I need to ask at the moment is based on the crossroads, the two paths okay. that are in front of okay. me. Okay. But uh, yeah, but in a very general way, I think we really need see. Like I, I know what my needs are, and see, not we have been religion taught us that all those needs were wrong. But but the real truth is, see, it says that it says that we're tempted when we're drawn away of our, of our own lust. Well, that word lust is just desires. Desires mm-hmm. are not evil, mm-hmm. but the temptation comes when. I start calculating how to fulfill those desires outside of God's path, which means, see, God's path leads me to God's glory, God's reality, you know, which is going to be, he's going to get the glory. He, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be majestic. You know what I mean? All of these wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And, and God's path always leads me. Truth always leads me to the glory of God. My way leads me to an imitation that says, I don't need God. At the end of the day, I don't need God to meet these needs. I'm going to trust myself. So, yeah, in the very, very general sense, we need to acknowledge our needs and decide if we believe we can have those needs fulfilled, you know, walking God's way. But in a specific sense, I've got to just say, and, and, you know, which path will I take that at the end of it, I know. I'll still be connected to God, walking with God, trusting God, won't have a hard heart. And taking his path, taking his path in in his timing will always result in the transformation of my heart, enlarging within me character to be able to sustain and to display his glory in the earth. And so so if, if, if all it is is about crossing the finish line or 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 getting you know uh, accomplishing or, or reaching that goal i want to be the person you know i want i want to be that son i want to mm-hmm. know the truth of my identity so that when i enter into the promise and the provision of god i recognize that it wasn't done of anything of my doing but it was all him and and because of that, I have the character then to be able to carry, you know, His glory, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. to display His glory in the earth. Um, I'm I'm thinking of of young couples, you know, um, in the pursuit of of being married, and they, if if it's only about a ceremony and getting married, then I mean it would work for anyone. But there's that journey, there's that process, there's the laying the foundations, it's establishing the non-negotiables, it's, it's Jesus really being Lord of our lives, so that when we stand before him and each other on that wedding day, and we're united into that oneness, we recognize that he's a much a, a part of it as we are, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and that in, in the journey, I've been transformed you know, and I'm I'm stand ready, you know, to serve mm. in my marriage. And it's not just about getting married, but it's about being that man, about being that woman, you know, about the yep. kingship and lordship of Jesus over our lives. Does does that make oh, sense? Oh, totally. Because I want to yep. be that person that fulfills yes, that. I want to be that. I want to be that person that trusts God for my security, for my pleasure, mm. for me to fulfill my purpose. Because as soon as I feel those needs. Um, if I'm not trusting God, then I'm immediately going to be creating an idol of somehow doing it with my own ambition. Yep. And mm-hmm. it's so inviting. Like, talk about a great big invitation that we can trust God for the deepest mm-hmm. needs of yeah. our heart. Yeah. It might look the same on the outside. Yeah. But if I created it, then I got to maintain it. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, and I even exactly. thought of yesterday, um, last week's podcast when Jim was saying people think I'm so smart because they just see me making great decisions that in the long run really turned out for them. And it's like, no, that's us, that's us trusting God yeah. in every moment. And then that's why 20 years later this worked out, how we never imagined it could, because mm-hmm. it seemed like a little small thing. It looked like a quantum thing turned into something that was hugely yeah. um, played out in our yeah. lives. Those investments, those, those little investments, those little obediences, and I, and and everything, Jim, that you've been sharing today. You know, it's the relationship that God wants to develop with us. Mm. Yes, we, we cannot have this single one-dimensional concept. No, He's drawing mm. us into that secret place. Yes, and again, last week's episode. Please go back and listen to it and see how these two dovetail so yeah, well. This, you know, with this, each other. This podcast with last yeah. week's, and to think that we're invited into that mercy. And I started mm-hmm. off just reading that decree this for this co- podcast that I am protected, I am surrounded. I don't have to worry about defending my name because my reputation and dignity are safe in Jehovah Kavad, mm-hmm. the God of all glory. That's really mm-hmm. cool how it all comes together. I love it. I love it too. I love and I love you, Dr. Jim Richards. Did you know that? Well, Did I love you, you know guys. that we are love we you. are your friends? <laughs> I know it. I'm glad. Good. Well, hey everyone! Thanks, you know, so very much, and I I have a deep, you know, anticipation for you, um, just knowing and experience the extravagance of His love. And as you journey throughout your day and your week, I just want you to know that He knows the best path, and yep. the provision is all already there. You can it's trust prepared Him. Prepared for you yep. in advance. It's there. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Jim. And please go to livetransform.com. And um, there's just so many incredible uh, resources there that can take you to deeper levels. You know, there's so many things there from mm-hmm. Dr. Jim Richards. And um, yeah, I just want to make mention. You know, yeah. if, if people are really wanting to know, like, how do I? get to know him. Yes. How do I begin to learn that language? You know, the, that, the story that Jim shared today. I, I want to fall in love, but I don't know the language. I want to hear his voice. I can't encourage you enough to really invest in heart physics essentials. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, it is a one month uh, program uh, that that uh, Dr. R- Richards has created. It's the first of many. But if you have not taken... Uh, heart physics, heart physics essentials. I can't encourage you enough. And I also just want to uh, just mention my book, Forty Day Devotional. It's called Wake Up Smiling, and we're starting to get. We heard from the publisher this week that you know thousands and thousands of these have sold just because people are catching the vision that we can live that surrendered, hope filled life yeah. of relationship with Jesus. And that book, some people have told me they've read it two and three times. I know, I, and they've said it's the best yes. devotional they've yes. ever experienced. Yes. So I, I'm not trying to. Pu- Blow my own, what is it? Toot. Toot my own horn? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, it's really helping people live a Holy Spirit life. And that's available there as well. (laughs) All right, everyone. Have a good week. 